in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me as always, your co-host, Andy Art. Oh, God, I got so old. Uh, Bunkfunkers Art passed away. <laughs> it is with a heavy heart that I announced that yeah. I am now alone in the bunker, just me and Peon Musk. <laughs> I thought you were going to say with uh, great pleasure. Jeez. Well, I do everything with great pleasure because I'm always touching myself. <laughs> Uh, Bunk Funkers, welcome. We have got a Andy. Is it fair to say this is a real head turner? <laughs> this, yeah, this is. Uh, you've heard of Tina Turner. Well, this is Tina's uh, cousin, Head. <laughs> this is a head turner. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a head. She she probably was most well known as um, Al Snow's uh, uh, item of choice when he was uh, wrestling as Al Snow. His head, head. Yeah, head. You get that reference? Nope. Oh, okay. Somebody out there does. Uh, Andy, was this like a, a mannequin head? Yeah. So he would like. He was like. I think his 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 character was. Um, he was like a crazy guy, I guess, like a weirdo, mm-hmm. and he would carry around a mannequin head. Huh. I think. Didn't it, wasn't there a Mick Foley? Yeah, no, Mick was Foley sock. was also like a crazy guy. Mankind was a crazy guy. But he that was like Sacco. Yeah, Sacco. Mr. Sacco. Yeah. There, there, there's some overlap there. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> today, Andy, we are discussing a, uh, this is true crime. This is a bona fide conspiracy. Uh, uh, is it a crime? That's the conspiracy. Yeah. Is it true crime? We're talking true deaths. Maybe true crime. That's right. I guess suicide is a crime, so it is true crime. <laughs> In a way, right? A lot of open verdicts. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, we're discussing what is known as the Marconi murders. Yeah. Um, some very mysterious connected deaths of some brilliant top-level engineers and scientists at the defense contract UK defense contractor Marconi. Yeah. Um, Marconi Systems or whatever they are, uh, industries, something like that. They uh, they build torpedoes, submarines, and um, this came to us from a patron. Yes, uh, one of our uh, great patrons who supports the show through Patreon, which uh, you also could do yourself if you have the means and so choose uh, at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod. Um, but this specific episode was suggested to us by Gretchy. 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 Thank we you, like Gretchy. Say, uh, who has uh, been a loyal bunk funker. Yes. Um has been a, a an emailer of the show That's and right. is an active participant in our Mr. Bunker Discord. Right. Um, Gretchy, 
Thank you so much for this great suggestion. Uh, oh yeah, for this is episode. a great topic. This is a great topic, and uh, I think I think for the rest of you bunk funkers, you're really going to enjoy this one. I think you're gonna you're gonna learn something, and as Art said, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot to think about. Oh yeah, uh, big time uh, conspiracy on this oh, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so if you want to get right to it, you can't wait to learn all about the Marconi murders. Um, as always, you can check out the show notes, episode description to find the timestamp where you can scrub ahead through the show, skip the intro, get right to all that research. But first, Andy and I got to update you on what's going on in the bunker lore. We know you're all waiting with bated breath oh, yeah. to hear an update on our legal battle. Uh, we have been, this is like season three of the bunker lore. For those of you who are just joining us, Mr. Bunker was a... Uh, mastermind a conspiracy theorist a illusionary mastermind who used to abduct us from our homes in wild and wacky ways and then he would take us to his secret underground bunker and force us to podcast about all things bizarre yeah now that happened for a while then we kind of had this uh, saga where andy and i were home due to the pandemic and mr bunker was traveling the world mm -hmm. doing all sorts of wacky things and possibly is collecting a team of uh, what is what is known as the bunk vengers to oust us or possibly put Elon Musk in. There's a lot of overlap. It's There's a lot unclear. of moving parts. Uh, a lot of, it's a big cast of characters. Yeah, we might need to get John Favreau and Kevin Feig in here to uh, help straighten things out like they did with the Marvel Universe. But uh, <laughs> The Bunkalorian. The bu <laughs> or do the Bunkalorian. Um, well, that would be Dave Filoni, but hey, neither here nor there. Eddie. Oh, I'm not going to well, fault okay. you. Uh, Sorry. Uh, so anyway, uh, now we're kind of in this third season where we've decided to tank Bunker to court for his, um, just everything he's done to harm us over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Andy and I are squatting in the bunker. We have not left. We are still dressed like D Snyder. Yeah. Cause, cause bunk funkers, we're not going to take it. That's right. Anymore. And we dressed up like twisted sister specifically like D Snyder. Oh yeah. Uh, we've been dressed this way for months now oh easily uh the makeup is fused to our skin yeah. we have terrible um rashes now uh hives breaking out all over yeah. we should have taken a shower at some point but we can't um the you know the costumes we're wearing are starting to fuse to our skin as well um our bodies are becoming misshapen and uh you know merging with the costume uh, it's hard to tell that uh, maybe by the end of this trial, we'll have the costumes will be a permanent part of our bodies, like an extension yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. Um, but we shall see. You know, bunk funkers, I I wish we had better news to say today. You know, I think uh, previously in the lore, we 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 got a bit we got a bit of a win. I think last week, mm -hmm. um, we were riding pretty high on how well we were. Um, beating down Mr. Bunker, but um, this week we, uh, we took a bit of a beating. Mr. Uh, Mr. Bunker brought in a uh, special guest who cross-examined us. Uh, of course, I'm talking about That's right. Bobby Flay. He brought in a guest attorney. <laughs> Not a witness. Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay. A world-famous chef and TV personality, Bobby Flay, who... Art and I were jointly called to the stand. He absolutely grilled us up there. I mean, he tossed Andy and I with some chili adobo, little garlic salt, onion powder, black pepper salt, of course, and fucking grilled us alive up there. Yeah. I so, mean, 
we we had beautiful uh, char marks all over up and down our bodies. I saw the kangaroo, the kangaroo in the kangaroo court licking his lips. <laughs> the kangaroo was so hungry. Uh, oh, man. Judge Judy even normally super professional. Hard to read. Hard to read. You could tell Judge Judy yeah. was was drooling. I mean, slobbering, slobbering all over too, too much. I yeah. mean, maybe a medical condition. We don't know. Uh, but clearly it was activated by the smell of I mean, our... what I'm saying is that a bloodhound would give her a run for her money with the right. amount of drool coming out of her. Mouth. Right, right. They, I mean, the bailiff had to mop the floor is all we're saying. But nonetheless, it was clearly activated by the smell of our hot bodies being grilled by Bobby <laughs> Flay on that witness stand. Oh, my God. He fucking flayed us alive. He flayed us alive. Um, you know, it was a real. You that know, little fire crotch just fucking bored. lit a fire under our asses and grilled us, man. Have <laughs> you ever been grilled that bad? That, that fucking hurt, Andy. No, no. It was a real boy meets grill situation because <laughs> we... Topanga Lawrence was there. Corey Lawrence was... What is Corey's last name <laughs> on the show? I don't know. Uh, Corey was there. Yeah, Corey was there. Uh, Mr. Feeney was there. Mr. Feeney was there. Mr. Feeney's Feeney was there. Yeah. Mr. Feeney's Heine was there. Tom's Feeney was there. Uh, there was Some blood Feeney gushing Feeney's everywhere. Were there. There were Vienna wieners. Uh, the court was packed for this one. I was, think, I it think Bobby just, Flay was going to serve us up for lunch. Yeah, I mean, obviously the word got out that Bobby Flay was going to be grilling our butts on the stand and a lot more than just David Crosby showed up for this one. Yeah. Fuck, Bobby Flay grilled us alive, man, and we did not look good. I mean, the hung jury, they were starving. They wanted to eat us alive. And that's all we've ever wanted, but not like this. Yeah. We've wanted them to eat us from day one, wanted them to eat us up, but not like this, not in our moment of weakness. We wanted them to eat us in a moment of strength. Andy, I mean, I don't know about you. It doesn't feel good to take a beating like that. No. Um, Mr. Bunker got a win today. I mean, at this point in my life, I'm used to failure. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to looking like an idiot in public. I'm used to being the object of scorn and ridicule. Yeah. yeah. But something about this really hurt. I mean, we were riding high two two days in a row of we felt like we had the upper hand and it feels like now we have no hand. We're not even the underhand. We're no hand. <laughs> I mean, I have to, I mean, and the worst part is, is, you know, Bobby Flay was just really good about it. I mean, he used a really great combination of seasonings. There was some beautiful he charred the skin off some peppers Mm-hmm. And then roasted them and then served us up. Um, it was a wonderful little meal and yeah. you could uh, just pick apart. Um, I, we were incredibly tender. I mean, the the way he mastered the grill, he was just grilling us alive. Yeah. And um, then he flayed us. He Bobby flayed us and, yeah. uh, you know, put us up on a big old X and flayed our skin um, and served us up uh, delicious with some homemade um, corn tortillas. Mm hmm. Roasted peppers. There was some onions. Um, you know, a little rice. It was wonderful. I mean, beans. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we need. We have. Obviously, we have a lot of. We have to get better prepared for things like this because we weren't ready to throw down with Bobby Flay in this one. <laughs> it was clear. I mean, right from the get. I mean, you know, we're not trying to make a big grocery game out of this whole fucking court situation, but goddamn. I don't like getting grilled alive like that, Andy. No, I don't either. Uh, I mean... The goddamn Bobby Flay. Yeah, Bobby... I mean, you know, it would have been one thing if if a high-powered attorney, if Robert Shapiro walked in and, and did that to us, but the fact that we got grilled in court by a celebrity chef... I know. Uh, and 
you know, suffered burns all over our bodies and then were eaten alive by uh, the court, <laughs> digested by the court, and then pooped out from the court. And now we are sitting here, big pieces of shit. Yeah, big, big, yeah, big. That's how we feel. We're pieces of shit. Yeah. After that. And it was such a slap in the face later because Johnny Cochran came in and started putting gloves on Bobby Flay's hands. Johnny Cochran's ghost was there. Johnny Cochran's ghost. Of course, none of the gloves fit Bobby Flay's hands. So, of course, Bobby Flay was acquitted. Yeah. And then Bobby Flay didn't even realize he was on trial with the the gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a real slap in the face. It was literally a slap in the face. Uh, It didn't feel good. It didn't look good. Uh, It was scary. Johnny Cochran is a ghost. Um, And we look like fools. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're definitely not going to be the next Food Network star at this rate, <laughs> which is on both of our bucket lists. Yeah, I mean, top up there. I mean, we never we don't really bring it up, Bung Funkers, because it's you know one of those things where it's like we're afraid to put it out there into the world because we're afraid of failure. I mean, what's next? Is is Jada De Laurentiis going to come in there and make a? I mean, if we're lucky, <laughs> produce produce a movie about us getting our butts beat. I mean, look, Art and I are just flesh and blood. We're not Iron Chefs. But that guy who eats peppers was there. And he took a big old bite out of Bobby Flay's peppers. <laughs> and then he said, let's get it on. The chairman. I mean, I think it's pretty much, I think it's pretty clear. We're not going to be invited to brunch at Bobby's. Because there's too much bad blood now. I mean, hell, even fucking Ina Garten would show up. And we we'd probably all like that. You know, and uh, if she did, she'd probably be barefoot. I mean, it's we can't beat Bobby Flay, um, but I hope that I hope that he does take a moment to reflect on this because it's clear that he has a barbecue addiction. <laughs> I, think, I think he really should see somebody professionally to help him with his addiction. Yeah, shame on Mr. Bunker for for capitalizing on a guy's addictions like that. Yeah, it's so like Mr. Bunker to do that just just for the showmanship. It didn't even help his court case. It just made us look bad. We look like we look. This stupid. week he was dressed up like Billie Eilish. Yeah. <laughs> Past couple weeks he's been dressed. He's had that big old seal wig. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna swing from the chandelier. And this week he was like, "I'm a bad guy." I don't. Uh, <laughs> I know about. I know a little bit about Billie Eilish. <laughs> he was dressed like Billie Eilish. She's wearing a big old. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I guess Billie Eilish kind of dresses like a, uh, like in Jinko jeans. Like, I don't know what the fuck she wears. It's just like, like different colored hair a lot and like big jackets and shit. So but that's what Mr. Bunker looked like. And yeah. he had his parrots in a cage on top of a, like, they were all dressed like Billie Eilish too. Yeah. They were all dressed like Billie Eilish. They were in a huge cage on top of a very wobbly pole. Yep. It was not, it felt like it was going to tip over the whole time. It was right in, Next to a vent in the courtroom. Meanwhile, so every time the air kicked yeah. on, the cage would rattle and the birds would go start squawking and cursing. Yeah. Because that's all they know how to say. And 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 when the air would kick on, you know, uh the kangaroo would go and open a window because the kangaroo likes to be warm. The kangaroo's from Australia. Yeah. Doesn't like the cold air, the the AC and and the, and the smell of us being grilled alive by Bobby Flay would waft out of the courtroom and you'd see outside all these reporters and people uh, literally lifted up by the smell and their little noses and they're yeah. they're like wafting along with the smell like a like a like a cartoon looney tune yeah. smelling a pie on a windowsill yeah i mean unfortunately the courthouse is right next to a train depot and there's a <laughs> lot of 
hobos who ride the rails and so they've got the court, their, their bindles the and their, was, yeah. their their giant toes sticking out of their whole fill socks the, the the courtroom was full of bindles but i guess if one good thing could come out of it it's almost like a charitable thing that that those hobos got a good meal eating parts of our body <laughs> well they're also attracted to the fact that that courthouse only serves beans yeah That's yeah a big part of the lore right yeah that is a big part of the lore uh <laughs> which <laughs> was the reason for so many farts in the court courtroom. Um, well, I say I will say this though, Andy. One bright spot this week, which maybe you didn't miss, but uh, that courtroom prankster came back. I mean, it was, this was a fun one. Whoopee cushions on every seat in the courtroom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, pretty funny stuff. I mean, I don't know who was doing that There's, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it it did distract a lot from getting anything done, and oh. I think if anything, it made us look stupider. Uh, I don't know about so if I knew if I could see that prankster, I'd probably tell him like, "Hey, you know, the whoopee cushion's a classic, and it never gets old, and it's always funny." But maybe you know, pick the right time, prankster. Well, okay, well, you know, but we don't, don't know who the prankster is. Yeah, this mysterious prankster, this mastermind of pranking. Um, yeah, kudos to them. Yeah, over they are. I, I like to pat them on the back. Yeah, sure. Shake their hand. Mm-hmm. Well, well maybe you'll find out someday. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Maybe he'll come back. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we don't know who it is. The prankster could be David Crosby. He's still there. Like, he must be really bored. Well, everybody's got to have a hobby. Mm, that's true. Well, bunkfuckers, I wish we had better news. We got grilled alive this week. Uh, I mean, Bobby Flay just grilled the shit out of us. He was just grilling us left and right. He was like a teenage dad asking where... Andy and I, like, we're his two, you know, teenage daughters. It's like, where, why wouldn't you home at 11 p.m. or something? Right. Of, he's a very strict teenage dad. Yeah. yeah. I don't, wait, he's not a teenage dad. He's a dad of a teenager. Dad of a teenager, not a teenage dad. I mean, just grilling us. Just grill, grilled us alive. I mean. Flipping us, flipping us over, back and over. Raked us over the coals. Oh, my God. The charcoals. We got Bobby Flayed. We got you, you got beat by Bobby Flay. You got to be Bobby Flay, you know? Yeah, we didn't be I'm Bobby Flay. We didn't be Bobby Flay. I'm the scat, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 I'm the scat, man. That's what we could have done to fight him back. Yeah. If we had done some scat manning, some scatting. Well, where was this power of scat in the courtroom? I don't know. I just. You got caught up in the lights. Yeah. I lost it in the lights. I was just getting grilled so bad by Bobby Flay, I couldn't even think about scatting to try and uh, combat his his his, his powers. Because you know, you start scatting all over the floor. I mean, Bobby is just—he's no more. The kangaroo's So far, the kangaroo's been the only one scatting in the courtroom. <laughs> the kangaroo, the kangaroo scats a lot. Yeah, <laughs> more than you would expect. Yeah, and it's it's big. Yeah, this is a full size kangaroo. Yeah, this is a full grown kangaroo just scatting this is one angry root oh boy bunk fuckers well i wish we had something better to bring to you i wish i wish every week could have been a win but this week we really got grilled alive by bobby flay but look you know silver lining the tr the trial goes on like the trial goes on this was not nothing that happened in court with the grilling of us by bobby flay us being flayed by bobby flay doesn't change the trajectory of our case right. and the strength of our claims. Uh -huh. I believe we will win. I think so too. We will prevail. Um, and Bunk Funkers, thank you for your support. Um, 
while we go through this litigation. Um, we really appreciate it. So yeah, this has been a hard time for all of us. This is the process. Uh, and we know that you support us uh, mm-hmm. and you agree with us that Mr. Bunker is corrupt uh, and evil and that he must be stopped and we must be elevated uh, to our righteous position <laughs> as <laughs> leaders of the Bunkverse. That's right. Well, on to something maybe a little bit more positive and a little bit brighter, Andy. We have some patrons Oh, I thought we were going to jump right into the Marconi murder. No, no, no. We got some patrons to thank. We got some bunker alarms to give out. Yeah, we do. Um, You know, longtime bunk funkers, uh, you'll know this. Uh, Every week that we need to, we utilize a very sophisticated piece of equipment called the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000, which allows us to play a perfectly synced alarm to honor a special bunk funker or bunk funkers uh, who are in the spotlight uh, for this week. And we have two special bunk funkers we'd like to honor this week. We have two new Patreon patrons uh, that we'd like to shout out. Uh, Art? Yes, that's right. Uh, today's bunker alarm is dedicated to Jesse Sotelo and Tervino Cordova. Tervino and Jesse Thank you so much uh, for your support. Uh, you went, you took the time. That's right. You paid the price. That's right. Uh, you went to patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker pod and signed up to be <laughs> patrons. And we are so grateful for your support. Yes. Uh, and truly, we, thank you. we happily ring this week's bunker alarm in your honor. That's right. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull up a special alarm oh. um, for Jesse and Trevino. Uh, let's see. This is very sophisticated equipment. Uh, let's see. I'm browsing. There's so many options available. Oh, Just typing away here. Uh, let me turn the dial on this thing to look at another page. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay, so it's just a detour. All right. <laughs> there it is. That's the winner. Okay. Uh Jesse Tervino, our newest patrons, thank you so much for your support. This bunker alarm is for you. Now, bunk funkers, look, with a piece of equipment as futuristic as the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000, we don't need to do a countdown. I could just press a button and it'll play the alarm. But Art and I think that a countdown helps build the drama. Uh, and after all, this is theater of the mind. And you can't see me press the button. So it helps you know when I'm going to press it. So it's not such yeah. a surprise. So um, here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Jesse Tervino. Wow. This bunk's for you. Beautiful. Uh thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Tervino. Uh truly we appreciate your support. And um thank you for being patrons and being loyal bunk funkers. Uh bunk funkers all all included, uh, 
all otherwise, um, today's topic, I think you're going to love it. Um, it's a really great one. And um, yeah, let's just get into it, Andy. This let's is do a, it. It's a wild conspiracy. Um, a lot of gruesome deaths in this one. Bunk oh, bunkers. yeah. Maybe should do a little uh, little disclaimer up at the top. Um, a lot of gruesome, grisly deaths in this one and interesting uh, possible cover-ups. But, um, and spies. A lot of spies. Oh, yeah. Spy this stuff. is espionages. So, uh, without further ado, this is the Marconi Murders here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Between 1982 and 1990, there was a bizarre string of deaths amongst scientists and computer programmers who were supposedly working on top-secret and high-tech military defense systems for UK-based Marconi Electronics Six Systems. Were these scientists' deaths the plot to cover up something? Did they know too much? Or was it all a coincidence due to the high-stress world of computer science? <laughs> <laughs> Overall, about 25 to 27 deaths have been stitched together in some sort of connection to the supposed conspiracy. So what was this Marconi company? And why was it not a new fast casual restaurant chain called the Macaroni Company, like I originally thought? Well, we may never be able to answer the latter question. <laughs> As for the former, the company was a British defense contractor. And you know it's a British defense contractor because we spelled it with a C. <laughs> It was actually the defense arm of the General Electric Company and known as GEC, General Electric Company, Marconi, until it was demerged in the late 90s and bought by MyBay, BAE, British Aerospace. That's my baby. <laughs> you love those airplanes. Love you, BAE. Anyway, Marconi built tons of military crafts, ships, submarines, planes, various torpedoes and satellites, you name it. Think of a high-tech military equipment and they manufactured it. They manufactured complex military equipment. I manufacture complex lies to tell my wife to hide my growing Fraser body pillow collection. You've got a lot of Fraser body pillows. <laughs> it's not hideable anymore. <laughs> There's too many. I don't have enough places to hide them. So I have to explain, you know, oh no, there's this is like a popular thing in my friends group <laughs> to have Fraser body pillows, but you know, all not everybody has room for them. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't, I'm not cutting the holes in the crotch. No, no. Oh God. Oh Jesus. That's all, that's all done by art. Oh, okay. You're blaming These are all me. all arts body pillows. Don't tell your wife. Don't blame your shit on me. No, no. I didn't cut a hole in Niles's crotch. That was art. During the time of the mysterious murders, these scientists were all said to be working on the Stingray torpedo system and other secret U.S. defense initiatives such as Project Star Wars. Oh, Dude. That's freaking rad. We got that baby Yoda working for the U.S. defending us from missiles and shit. Yeah, I bet baby Yoda with all his little baby Yoda powers be pretty good at shooting down missiles. God bless you, baby Yoda. God bless baby Yoda indeed. Now, the Stingray torpedo system was a series of acoustic homing torpedoes designed by GEC Marconi. 
that is that these torpedoes, they hunt their targets with the power of sound. Um, now, Project Star Wars was actually a nickname for the Strategic Defense Initiative, or as we'll call it throughout the episode, SDI. The SDI was actually a massive defense program um, in the U.S. Uh, with lots of different aims and goals. But in essence, it was a way to address the fears of nuclear war. It was a missile defense system with the aim of protecting the U.S. from a nuclear missile attack, likely launched by the Soviets, as this was part of the Cold War. Now, there were a ton of project ideas and suggestions under this SDI umbrella, but essentially, the U.S. kind of wanted some sort of system to blow up incoming nukes and missiles out of the sky while they were still in flight before they hit their targets. So they looked into all sort of, uh, you know, all sorts of, I mean, they, they really just looked into like lots of wacky methods that often take the limelight with this initiative. There were some more, uh, you know, maybe not as wacky ones, but uh, <laughs> a lot of these, these crazier ones kind of take the limelight, like a series of satellites up in space that could shoot various types of particle beams or chemical beams or laser beams, lots of beams, no balance beams or gym beam though, hmm. but lots of other beams for sure. Mm, seems like an oversight. <laughs> a little bit. Now, there was a system that would be up in space um, and would track incoming missiles. And then another system that was called Brilliant Pebbles, uh, designed to use high-velocity watermelon-sized teardrop-shaped projectiles made of tungsten as a kinetic warhead to blow up incoming nukes. Like a tungsten ass? <laughs> exactly. Watermelon-sized and teardrop-shaped? Ooh, baby. Yeah. Well, Andy, I don't know about you, but I see an amazing marketing campaign with Fruity Pebbles here, Andy. I'm thinking... Uh, mm. Hey, boy. Hey, Fred. You know, Bon, only Marconi can design brilliant pebbles projectiles to rock your enemy's whole ICBM. Yabba dabba do. And then, like, I don't know, Barney eats a torpedo and blows up bedrock or some shit. I, I will workshop it. Yeah, that seems like a good marketing campaign for these for this system. Yeah. What are they? Are they Kellogg or Post? What is Post, that? I think. Yeah. We'll, we'll hit them up. Yeah. Incorporated into the kids' cereal. Yabba dabba do. Bonnie, my pebbles. Your uh, your Fred Flintstone yabba dabba do sounds like an impression of Adam Sandler doing a Fred Flintstone impression. Well, that's what the kids want these days <laughs> in their Fred Flintstone. They love Adam Sandler. Hey, Fred. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this kind of stuff, you know, as, as silly as it may seem, needed to be brought to reality by some very, very, very smart eggheads. I mean, I don't know about you, Andy, but I can barely program the time in my microwave. And these dudes are over here figuring out how to shoot intercontinental nuclear warheads out of the sky, which, you know, with pinpoint accuracy without killing anyone. It's hard to do. Yeah, I can't use my microwave without killing anyone. <laughs> yeah, because whatever you make, the hot pockets you make in there that you end up eating, the gas that comes out of you. Oh boy. <laughs> I never be- let it cool. <laughs> Don't have any skin inside my mouth anymore. <laughs> Liquid lava. Hot. Every moment is torture. <laughs> now, but for the sake of time, okay, the SDI initiative uh, encompassed a wide range of complicated technology, and the U.S. subcontracted many of these designs for the many, many, many different systems involved in the project to companies like GEC Marconi. So let's get into these bizarre deaths. Funk Funkers, to be honest, explaining the strange deaths of these some 25 men is basically the bulk of this topic. Uh, and we'll have you know, we take no delight in the deaths of all these eggheads. We have disparaged eggheads in a number of ways on this podcast plenty of times. 
but we do not revel in the death of anybody. That's right. Uh, Egghead's not the least of these. Uh, in March of 1982, Professor Keith Bowden, age 46, and with tremendous eyebrows, <laughs> uh, Bowden's expertise was that of a computer programmer and scientist at Essex University engaged in work for Marconi, who was hailed as an expert on supercomputers and computer-controlled aircraft. After attending a social function in London one night, Bowden got into his car and apparently drove across a divided highway, or dual carriageway, as they say across the pond, and plunged off a bridge down an embankment and into an abandoned rail yard. He died instantly. At first glance, the police said that Bowden was drunk and driving recklessly fast. However, his wife and friends who were with Bowden that night claim he hadn't been drinking that evening. Seems cut and dry, but sometime later, a friend of Bowden's hired an accident investigator to examine the wreckage. What they found was that someone had swapped out Bowden's tires on his car. His normally pristine tires, Keith Bowden, known for having <laughs> nice tires on his car, uh, his normally pristine tires were swapped with a set that were worn down and old, even past the rubber. In the end, his death was ruled an accident. Next, in April of 1983, Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Godley, aged 49, who was the head of the work-study unit at the Royal College of Military Science, disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is presumed to be dead. Now, Godley isn't often listed with some of the others, but, um, you know, a few of these these names on the list uh, kind of are interchangeable, but, uh, you know, this is the list that we decided to, to use. Yeah. Then a few years later, in 1985, Roger Hill, aged 49, died via a self-inflicted shotgun blast in his home. He was a radar designer and droughtsman with Marconi. This was also ruled a suicide. Later that same year, in November of 1985, Jonathan Walsh, aged 29, a digital communications expert who had worked with at GEC and at British Telecom's Secret Research Center, in uh, Marthelsham Heath in Suffolk, uh, died from falling out of a hotel room in uh, Abidjan. Abidjan. Ah, fuck. Abidjan, West Africa. In Cote d'Avoui. All right. Now you're, the, now you're just flexing. Don't have the you're just flexing but. now. You're hubris. <laughs> Ugh, put it away. Um, <laughs> while working for British Telecom in uh, Abidjan, West Africa, um, apparently, Walsh had expressed fears that his life was in danger at some point. His death was ruled an open verdict by the coroner. Now, bunkfuckers, you're going to see that a lot, okay? You're going to see us, or well, you're going to hear us say <laughs> open verdicts a lot. All this means is that there was an inquest, right? So, almost like a court trial um, yeah. into the into the like a, a mysterious or unexplained death, and the jury confirms that yes, the death is suspicious, but they were unable to reach any other verdicts open to them. Basically, what they mean is that this is a little bit sus. <laughs> sus indeed, Art. And there are more connected deaths among us. Huh? Art? Among us? Huh? Remember that game? Bunkfunkers? Art? <laughs> Man, Art played that game with a bunch of people. No one ever asked me to play, though. Probably because I spend most of it just screaming into the microphone. 
<laughs> Just fucking screaming. Yeah. I can't get a word in edgewise, Andy. Yeah, it's probably because I spend most of it just screaming into the microphone, and I refuse to do tasks. And when I'm the imposter, I rat out my fellow imposter immediately, and I just aggressively accuse everyone of trying to steal my lucky charms. Who's trying to touch your cereal? Everyone. It's sus. Anywho, the next two deaths are some of the most strange. On August 5th, 1986... Bimal Dajibai, aged 24, jumped off the Clifton Suspension Bridge over the River Avon in Bristol and died. The thing is, that very night, Dajibai apparently told his wife he would be working late, but then he drove 100 miles to Bristol, a city where he seemingly had no known connections, and then fell 260 feet off a bridge. Stranger still, when police found his body, they noticed a needle-sized puncture wound on the left buttock, and his pants were around his ankles. Dajibai was working as a computer software engineer with Marconi, and allegedly working on the computer control systems for the Stingray torpedo system and other torpedo systems as well, as some kind of uh, simulation system for the SDI. Friends confirmed that Dajibai was looking forward to starting a new job soon, and there was no apparent reason for his suicide. At the time of his death, he was in his last week with Marconi. His death received an open verdict. I mean, butt needles and bridges are disturbing indeed. And by the way, be sure to check out Andy and I's next country album, Butt Needles and Bridges. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> We're butt needles and bridges is actually Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you follow us on uh, Instagram, you know our country band, Butt, butt Needles. Uh, and Jeff Bridges is involved in this. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great mix of... New songs, uh, collaborations with Jeff Bridges. Right. Uh, we do a couple of older covers. Um, uh, check it out. But we've got that great Twillow or uh, Country Twang. Yeah, we do uh, almost exclusively Country Politan. Um, <laughs> so check it out. And Country Time Lemonade. But anyway, but next, uh, but the next Marconi murder is considered the most disturbing by far. Two months after uh, Dajabai's, how'd you say it? That's how I said it. Dajabai? Dajabai. Dajabai. Dajabai's death in October of 1986, Arshad Sharif, age 26, uh, another computer scientist who was apparently working on submarine satellite detection and guidance systems for submarines at Marconi, also died under odd circumstances. Sharif apparently placed a rope around his neck, then tied the other to the end of a tree. He then got into his car jammed down the accelerator pedal, drove his car off, and decapitated himself. His death was ruled a suicide. Now, adding to the mystery is the fact that Sharif lived near Dajabai in Stanmore in Middlesex, and Sharif also committed suicide in Bristol, just like Dajabai. Sharif also apparently spent the last night of his life in a rooming house, which, uh, you know, is kind of like a boarding house or other multi-tenant living arrangement. Um, he paid for his room in cash and was apparently seen carrying a bundle of high-denomination banknotes with him. These banknotes were not brought up in the inquest into his death, and they were never found. Otter still, other guests of the house also worked at British Aerospace, a.k.a. Bay, which was Sharif's employer prior to Marconi. 
Sharif had worked on guided weapons tech at bay. A relative of Sharif's was summoned um, to identify his body and notice something suspicious about his car. What appeared to be a metal rod was lying on the floor next to the car of the car was lying on the floor of the car next to the accelerator. Was this the item used by Sharif or someone else to wedge down the accelerator? Were Sharif and Dajabai's deaths linked in some way? Well, the coroner in the inquest into Sharif's death wasn't too pleased with the evidence. They stated this, quote, This is past coincidence. I will not be completing this inquest until I know how two men with no connection to Bristol came to meet the same end here, end quote. This next set of deaths all happened between 1987 and 1988 and is considered the so-called second cluster of Marconi murders. In January of 1987, Richard Pugh, age 37, a computer consultant for the Ministry of Defense, was found dead in his home with his feet bound, a plastic bag on his head, and a thick rope coiled around his body. The coroner's verdict was an accident due to sexual misadventure. (laughs) Sexual misadventure. (laughs) Sounds like me in college. Uh, just kidding. I focused hard on my studies and enjoyed cultivating a diverse array of hobbies, not getting my knobs slobbed. That's why I'm so effing successful and (laughs) well-adjusted. Oh, God, I'm such a fucking failure. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) on January 12th, 1987, Dr. John Britton, 52, was found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning in his own garage shortly after returning from a trip to the U.S. in connection with his work at the research department for the Ministry of Defense. The verdict was an accident. Next, another carbon monoxide poisoning. David Skeels, age 43, was found dead in his car with a hose pipe connected to the exhaust in February 1987. He was an engineer at Marconi, and this was left with an opener with an open coroner's verdict. Also in February of 1987, Victor Moore, 46, a design engineer with Marconi, was found dead of an apparent drug overdose. Moore had just finished some work on infrared satellites. His death is said to have been have instigated an MI5, uh, that's the British uh, Intelligence Agency, investigation, uh, the home intelligence agency, I should say, domestic. Uh, right? I have it right? Sure. MI5, not MI6. MI6? Yeah. MI5 is domestic, and then MI6 is the external. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You uh, know. The results, anyway, of the MI5 investigation <laughs> remain secret. But ultimately, uh, Moore's death was ruled a suicide. Yet another death occurred in February of 1987. Peter Peepel, Peter uh, aged 46, was a scientist at the Royal College of Military Science. Now, he had been working on testing titanium for its resistance to explosives and the use of computer analysis of signals from metal. Uh, Peepel and his wife spent the evening with some friends and returned home. So he went to put the car away in the garage. The next morning, Peepel's wife found him on his back, jammed underneath the car with his mouth in line with the exhaust pipe and the car engine 
still running. Police were apparently baffled as to how the, uh, the, the man could have maneuvered into the position in which he was found. In a similar fashion to John Britton, at the time of Peepel's death, he'd apparently moved into a research position at the Ministry of Defense and had been on a recent trip to the U.S. in connection to his work. His death received an open verdict. Now, John Whiteman is one that I think uh, kind of goes and comes from different lists, so we don't have as much info on him, but he has another bizarre death. Uh, He supposedly drowned himself in his bathtub and was surrounded by pills and empty alcohol bottles, yet his autopsy revealed no trace of drugs or alcohol in his body. Next is David Sands, age 37, who was a senior scientist working for the uh, ESAMs of Camberley, Surrey. Sorry, I don't know how to say that. A sister company to Marconi, (laughs) (laughs) which apparently John Britton, who we uh, mentioned earlier, also worked for for a spell. Sands died on March 30th, 1987. He made a sudden U-turn in his car and crashed at high speeds into an empty cafe. What's odd is that his car was found full of extra cans of gas or petrol, which caused the car and Sands' body to be engulfed in flames. The only way he was identified was through dental records. No apparent cause for suicide was found, though, so thus he received an open verdict. Um, We're going to jump through a few here, bunk funkers. April 10th, 1987, we got Stuart Gooding, age 23, a postgraduate research student at the Royal College of Military Science died of a fatal car crash where he crashed head-on into a truck or as a um, our friends in the UK call them a lorry a lorry yeah uh, this was ruled an accident it also on April 10th 1987 David called Robert uh, Greenhog 46 a contracts manager at ILC's defense division in Wintersh near Reading um, jumped from a 40 foot high bridge uh, the same day as Stuart Gooding's car crash. He may have been working with secret access to UK and NATO data and may have been working on the same defense project as David Sands. Now, he survived the fall, but had no idea why he leapt from the bridge. However, unfortunately, he died a few days later in the hospital. On April 17, 1987, George uh, Kuntis, age which is unknown, was a systems analyst at Bristol Polytechnic. Uh, Kuntis drowned as the result of a car accident, his upturned car being found in the River Mersley in Liverpool. Liverpool. On the same day as George Kuntis' death, April 17, 1987, Shani Warren, 26, a personal assistant in a company called Microscope, which was taken over by GEC Marconi less than four weeks after her death, also drowned. She was found gagged with a noose around her neck. Her feet were also bound and her hands tied behind her back. The coroner's verdict? Open. Apparently, it was believed that Shani had somehow bound and gagged herself and tied a noose around her neck and then walked over to the water in her stiletto heels, which she was wearing at the time of her death, and drowned herself. Lots of April deaths here, folks. Uh, On April 24th, 1987, Mark Weisner, 24, a software engineer at the Ministry of Defense, was found dead in a house he shared with some colleagues. He was found with a plastic sack around his head and several feet of cling film around his face. This death was somewhat similar to Richard Pugh uh, some three months earlier. This was ruled an accident. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I fucked up wrapping up leftovers before, but cling wrap around the face, an 
accident? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, pretty sus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm don't gonna, scream. I'm ready to scream in the microphone. Please okay. Don't. Okay. I'm going to pull it back. Uh, in May and June of 1987, two employees of a defense electronics firm, the Plessy Corporation, Michael Baker and Frank Jennings, were found dead. Plessy had been purchased by Marconi the previous year. January of 1988, Russell Smith, 23, a lab tech, fell off a cliff in Cornwall, which was ruled a suicide. March 25, 1988, Trevor Knight, 52, a computer engineer with Marconi, was found dead in his car with a hosepipe attached to the exhaust. This was also ruled a suicide. All right, so we're getting somewhere in the upper 20s on deaths here, bunk funkers. Um, Alistair Beckman, aged 50, was a computer engineer who it's believed was working on top-secret pilot programs for the SDI. After some light Sunday afternoon gardening, Beckman retired to his shed, attached wires to his chest, pushed those wires into an open power socket, and with a handkerchief, Jammed in his mouth, turned the power on. Jeez. It's one way to relax, I guess. I guess. Uh, well, Beckman's wife was... Needless to say, he died. Uh, Beckman's wife was not so convinced her husband committed suicide in this incredibly gruesome manner. Um, Alistair was apparently very secretive about his work, and allegedly, just hours after his death, men from the Ministry of Defense arrived at his house and took away several documents and files from their home. Coincidence? I don't know, bunk bunkers. Mm -hmm. Well, the next death might honestly be the most grisly of them all, which might be hard to believe, bunk bunkers. But on August 22nd, 1988, Peter Ferry, age 60, the assistant marketing director at Marconi, was found dead. How? Well, he was found with stripped wires attached to tooth fillings in his mouth and electrocuted himself. God damn, he's <laughs> fucked up. Well, needless to say, this was an open verdict. <laughs> yeah. Finally, Jesus. September 1988, Andrew Hall, age 33, an engineering manager with British Aerospace, was found dead by carbon monoxide poisoning in a car with a hose pipe connected to the exhaust. Wow. Bunk funkers. Wow. This was a lot of death. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Art... Uh, what's up with all this, huh? Who's doing all this killing? Who's killing all these innocent eggheads, huh? I don't know. Oh, okay. Just well, let me know. We'll figure it out. By, by the time all 25 deaths had been connected, people were starting to ask similar questions. Was this the work of the KGB? Or was this the work of the MOD, the Ministry of Defense? Was there some kind of conspiracy to off these scientists working on high-level top-secret stuff? Several MPs and trade union leader Clive Jenkins called for an inquiry into the deaths. Jenkins wrote that the deaths were, quote, statistically incredible, end quote, and spoke of the concern amongst his members over, quote, these clusters of suicides, violent deaths, or murders, end quote. Margaret Thatcher dismissed the calls for an inquiry, claiming these deaths were not statistically significant and that this was a coincidence likely caused by the high-stress environment of the defense industry. Quote, the idea that they may have been bumped off by foreign agents is just straight out of James Bond, end quote, scoffed a defense ministry spokesman. And I would know, <laughs> bunk funkers, by now you know that a major part of my lore, which I keep hidden for an unknown reason, 
is my love for all things James Bond and spy thrillers. The truth is, I wish one day maybe I could wear a nice Brioni suit, drive fast Aston Martins, drink martinis, shaken, not stirred, and repeat my last name before my full name. Oh, and of course, have a license to kill. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I was cool with everything up until the license. Well, I can't be a spy without a killing license, Art. I mean, I'm going to be driving fast, expensive cars recklessly while drunk on martinis. Like, I'm going to hit a few dozen people. It's common sense. Jeez. Anyway, a few professors started to catch on to these Marconi murders and noted how they were statistically uncommon. Even the U.S. Embassy in London publicly requested a full investigation by the Ministry of Defense. They had been aware of the first cluster of deaths and had been monitoring the situation for a few years. British Parliament members, uh, such as Labour MP Doug Hoyle, co-president of the Manufacturing Science and Finance Union, had been making similar requests. But the Thatcher-led government still refused to lead any kind of investigation. Quote, How many more deaths before we get to the government to give the answers? End quote. This is, uh, this is Hoyle, something Doug Hoyle asked. Um, uh, from a security point of view, surely both ourselves and the Americans ought to be looking into it. End quote. Now, the Pentagon refused to comment on the deaths, but if this was an attack by enemy intelligence agencies, it didn't bode well for the UK intelligence community, who had apparently suffered some damaging scandals, scandals in the 20th century. Were these deaths an indication of security leaks? Were these scientists being blackmailed somehow? Did they stumble onto an espionage ring? Well, as NBC News London correspondent Henry Champ put it, in the world of espionage, there is a saying, twice is coincidence, but three times is enemy action. Okay, Henry Champ, but like, what's 25 times, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Uh, Well, what did Marconi have to say about these deaths? I mean, these are their employees, right? Wouldn't they care? Well, according to Marconi, they've remained steadfast that there is no collusion and there is no conspiracy. Oh, uh, oh okay. Thanks, Marconi. Thanks. All right. Some noted mental illness professionals and suicide experts have stated that some of these connected deaths don't add up as suicides. There are many examples where the men complained to friends and family they had been tasked with strange, impossible, and unscientific tasks by their employers. Then there are the bizarre ways these men committed suicide. Extreme suicide methods, such as decapitating yourself or attaching wires to the fillings in your teeth, are normally only associated with people suffering severe mental breakdowns to the extent they would be unable to even hold down jobs. But all the people in these cases were employed up until their deaths and never showed any signs of disturbance. Several of the deaths were marked as, quote, sexual misadventures, Uh, but intelligence expert Conrad Black says death by sexual misadventure is a common method of disguising murder in the world of espionage. Black told the Daily Record, quote, disposing of an enemy and making it look like a perverted fantasy gone wrong is in the training manuals of every spy agency from MI6 to Mossad. The sex game cover is a very useful mechanism in a murder. Not only does it provide a disguise for the actual means and method of death, it trashes the reputation of the victim and blunts the energy of any subsequent investigation. End quote. Now, the idea of strange espionage devices used to kill, or in the case of Vimal uh, 
Dajibai. Fuck. Dajibai. Dajibai. Fuck. Okay. Or in the case of Vimal Dajibai, inject something into your butt and push you off a bridge, uh, isn't far from the reality in the UK, the land of spies and meat pies. Um, uh, Georgi Markov, a Bulgarian dissident who broadcasted anti-communist programs on the British Broadcasting Corporation, or BBC, World Radio Network was murdered when an unknown assassin, presumed to be a Bulgarian spy, jabbed him in the leg with an umbrella. The umbrella carried a microscopic pellet laced with a deadly poison that killed Markov within a few days, but left no trace of it in his bloodstream. The pellet is actually on display at Scotland Yard's famed Black Museum. After a long day scavenging in New York subways for food, I dropped plenty of poisonous pellets on the ground. <laughs> Rat King! <laughs> Look at them scurry bunk funkers. Well, you can't, but if you could. Oh, he's got a big old slice of pizza in his mouth. Tony Collins. In an article for the computer news website, Computer Weekly, began investigating the Marconi murders pretty extensively. He submitted a FOIA, or Freedom of Information Act, request to the Ministry of Defense asking for information on these deaths. Now, typically, publicly funded orgs have about 20 working days to answer or at least notify the applicant if they need more time to answer the request. The MOD took six months to answer. Now, the official who spoke with Collins had spent months looking for material and found nothing at all. Not one piece of paper. The official reply was that the MOD had no recorded information on any of the cases Collins had mentioned. It was if it was as if the deaths had never even happened. Tony Collins actually went on to write a book about the Marconi murders, fittingly titling it Open Verdict. Well, bunk funkers, that's really the conspiracy here. Was there a cover up? Were these deaths actually connected in some way? Were they the act of spies? If you ask some hardcore skeptics, they might tell you no to all of the above. Skeptics believe that these scientists worked high-stress and high-level jobs, and unfortunately, with that sometimes comes tragic self-inflicted ends. They might also add, is this number of deaths a statistical anomaly in this field or area? We can't say for certain. Another point skeptics bring up is the sheer lack of evidence in this case. Sure, the deaths are intriguing, but the evidence is pretty scant. And with that, bunk funkers, we close the book on the Marconi murders. But what's your verdict, you wonderful little coroners, you cute little medical examiners? What happened to the scientists at Marconi? Wrongful deaths or tragic suicides? Well, one thing is for certain, bunk funkers. And that's that Art and I have been hard at work creating our own torpedoes. But these aren't weapons of destruction. Oh, no, no, no. These torpedoes are chock full of the whole enchilada. And we got our sights set on one target. Your mind tummies. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message.
<laughs> it sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art. Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So shilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of the Marconi murders. The Marconi murders. Maybe. What? Maybe murders. Oh, the maybe Marconi murders. Murder, may, the Marconi maybe murders. It's time for the Marconi show. Yay. Is it a murder or a suicide? <laughs> well, Piggy, Let's know. ask our panelists. Miss, Miss Piggy, we don't uh... I don't know whether it's a murder. Um, boy, I gotta tell you, yeah, head scratcher. Yeah, this uh, is a real, uh, real noodle twister. Noodle twister, arm twister, nipple twister. It's nipple weird. Twister. I don't know what to make of it. Purple nurpler. I'm hoping that during this discussion, you'll bring to light, you'll illuminate it for me, uh, and I will understand completely what happened here. Yeah. She's Andy. If you're relying on me, you You are my voice of reason. Oh, you wow. are my you, shining star. Andy, you've made some bad decisions if you're going down that road. <laughs> no question. I have made a lot of bad decisions. Don't go around that road. Uh, bunk fuckers, this is this is it. That's all we have. This is the this is it. That when when the skeptics say like that's there's no evidence, that's the evidence. Yeah, the, the there's a bunch of dead people. We talk we talk a lot on this on this show. We talk about, too much on this show. It, well, yeah, we've gotten that feedback. Thank you again for sending <laughs> that feedback. I guess, but uh, we talk we talk a lot about like how good sometimes we feel like a skeptic take is on something is like how much <laughs> we get convinced that it's not something more conspiratorial. This is probably one of the weakest. On both sides, mm-hmm. to be honest, mm-hmm. because wait, what? On both sides, because l- bear with me here. The skeptics' take is like, well, there's, there's no evidence, and the, and everyone saying that it's a conspiracy. There's also no evidence. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of these are like, okay, yeah, um, but it's not evidence. That's true. It's not evidence of something That's more true. grand. That's true. Look, it's evidence that there's something's weird that happened for sure, but it's not evidence of a conspiracy. Right. You're right. Technically, I, you're right. I think <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing about this is that there's nothing to sway me to say that it's not a conspiracy. Yeah. But there's also not when I think about it, there's not a lot to sway me to say that it is a conspiracy either because like, it, think of it this way. Look, I, you read about these deaths mm. over a period of like a decade, basically, right? Yeah. 
Um, and I say, it seems like a lot, but I don't know if it is. There are certainly some weird circumstances. Yeah. Is there, are there weirder, are the, is the, is the, like statistically speaking, are the circumstances weirder than for like the general population of deaths? I don't know. I, I don't have the suicide statistics. And some of these things, you know, it's like, they're not that weird. It's like, oh, the guy crashed head on into a truck. It's like, okay, that could happen. He made a sudden U-turn and then crashed head onto a truck. It could happen. I don't know, Andy. We might be at odds on this one here because, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, putting wires into your tooth fillings yeah, is that one... not a suicide. Like, look, I, what I think I'm building the case for Jesus here, because this fuck. is where I think that my brain is going with this, is okay. that there is something happening with at least some of these people. But maybe, probably not all of them. Right. Okay. Like, Fair enough. Sharif, very weird. Ajibai, weird. The two in Bristol. Yeah. The two guys in Bristol. Those two are weird. Very weird. There's a lot of weird circumstances. Yeah. Um. You know, electric wires in your chest, electric wires in your teeth fillings, stuffed under your car. Like, there are weird circumstances here. Yeah. Sucking on the fucking exhaust pipe. Again, I don't know if that's weird or if that's... You know, that's not such a gruesome way to kill yourself. That's a pretty common way to kill yourself. Yes, but I it, apparently I think it was the way that, like, his body was positioned. Oh, you which, mean the guy with the actual mouth on? Yeah. Like, if the, you, the, the host pipe people, hose, it's like, yes. Yeah. That is a common method that people use. And I don't know, is it like when people say these, there was no reason to suspect a suicide? You don't always know to suspect it, right? Like We've said that before. You can never be on sure. Kurt Cobain. You can never be sure, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, what to, don't I don't know. know what to make of that. Are people Listen, are are the family like kind of rose colored glasses looking back on their life yeah. because it's a tragic death? It's very tragic. Everything's very tragic here. Yes. Uh, so are some people going like, "Oh no, things were actually so great. This is such a tragedy." When in reality, it's like, well, there were signs, right? And I mean, the nature of their jobs is probably incredibly stressful. Yeah. And they're probably very hard. Like they work really hard, and it's a very high stress. I mean. Imagine being a computer engineer, computer science in the eighties when you know before you had computer science is a lot easier now than it was then. You still have to be you know good at programming and logic and all the fundamentals, but data structures. But we have a lot more tools to help now. So many more. You can't just look up the, stuff on YouTube yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, the infrastructure around <laughs> it is, is much different today. Or Stack Overflow or whatever people. I mean, because uh, documentation. You make, yeah, you make a good point. Like you could honestly learn computer programming just by dicking around on the internet and searching free resources like how do you think i learned yeah you don't even have to ask a person to like teach you yeah but like these are people who like studied it yes they're very smart these are very smart people these are true like engineers true eggheads uh true eggheads and so imagine being tasked with like you have to like make a satellite guidance system that tracks missiles in the sky without failure with pinpoint accuracy as the missile is like, I don't know how fast missiles go. Thousands of miles an hour, hundreds yeah. of miles an hour. I don't fucking know. Probably pretty fucking fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to be able to to detect yeah. that the missile launched, determine its trajectory yeah. so you know where it's supposed to be going, yeah. and then be able to intercept it in flight yeah. in such a way that doesn't cause harm to any people. Right, and then hit it with pinpoint accuracy. Right, so, you can't fail. Um, yeah, and you can't fail is the biggest thing. Right. So now you, you're tasked with that. There's really no way out. 
Um, I mean, a lot of these people were leaving their jobs and starting different jobs, which makes it very interesting. The thing it's like, yeah, I think we both agree that like, yeah, some of these deaths are just like, okay. I don't think anybody punctured their butt and then jumped off a bridge with their fucking pants around their ankles. Right. It's just a little. Doesn't make any sense. You might puncture your butt, but like pull up your pants and, you know, maybe jump, but like still. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and why would you puncture your butt? Like, are you putting some like drug in there to yeah. like make you feel? And there's nothing that comes up like that's not that's not reflected anywhere that oh we found traces of this like drug like yeah. that would ease ease the pain or something like it's not like there's like Vicodin injected into his butt as far as we know wait yeah I mean and you know that's what I always ask the doctor every time I have to go in for like surgery or anything I'm just like can I get the butt injectable the Vicodin yeah no I ask that every time I go in for a routine checkup yeah because I say, oh, no, it hurts so much when you put that stethoscope on my skin. You just, so cold and uncomfortable. Can you just inject Vicodin into my butt? And they're like, we can give you a tablet. And I'm like, no, it won't work fast enough. I can't wait. I have a Okay, have well, a normally we would put this through an IV in your, your hand. Or... No, just inject me in the butt. Did you drive here today? Doesn't matter. <laughs> inject me in the butt. Doctor, please. Dr. Clint Eggerson, inject me in the butt. Eggerson. My rugged doctor. Your rugged, brawny, fucking brawny paper towel looking doctor. Oh, he used to be a large animal vet, and that's why I go to him because he knows exactly how to handle me. I, I did most of my study on uh, large boars and uh, yeah, hippopotamuses. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Inject me in the butt. <laughs> you're perfect. You're perfect. You get it. You get it. You know exactly how to treat a person like me. An un, an unruly, unwieldy bull in a china shop. I need your firm hands, Dr. Clint Eggerson. Oh, my God. Help me straighten me out. Oh, Jesus. This is getting steamy in here, buckfuckers. <laughs> Andy's, uh, Andy's doctor is uh, used to be a uh, vet at a zoo for large endangered animals. <laughs> and if that doesn't describe me, I don't know what does. Yeah. But... Um, but what the fuck were we talking about? But <laughs> butts? Yeah, we were talking about Dajibai. Um, I don't remember where I, what I was saying. Okay, so because you were saying it was weird that you wouldn't eject your butt, pull your pants down, and then jump off the bridge. Right. Um, as a and I was of, saying, I don't think there's any evidence that there would even be any reason for him to have injected anything, or like any evidence that there he did inject something. It's just they found a puncture wound, right? Right. Um, so but I guess what I'm getting at is that, okay, maybe we agree that some of these are fucking pretty sus and yeah. others, maybe not so much, but some of them are, and there's 25 of them. Yeah. Um, and they're all, they all are linked to Marconi in some way, which is also very odd. I mean, this isn't like, Hey, they're killing people all over the defense industry. It's kind of like, well, I don't know, but all the same company, all the, you know, whatever. So I guess the question is. Who done it? I mean, is this Colonel Mustard Fuck. in the kitchen with the uh, iron pipe? Is this Professor Plum in the library with the the butt puncture? I mean, what you know? Is it Doctor Clint Eggerson in the bedroom <laughs> with, with his shirt off with his large pipe? We don't know. We don't know what it is. We hope that it's Doctor. We hope it's Doctor Clint Eggerson laying his pipe in the bedroom. And that's what, but I don't know that that's the case. 
we hope that it's, you know, Dr. Clint Eggerson putting on some Barry White um, and then slowly taking off his, 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 his perfectly coat. fitting flannel that he buys off the rack and doesn't even have to have trimmed at the tailors. No, it fits him perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like the buttons, the buttons are together, but you can tell they're straining to conceal his muscles. His, his bulging pecs, his burly arms. <laughs> the idea. He never, he never, love- he never wears a tie because he can't button the top button because of his, his robust neck. Sinewy neck. Veiny. Strong. Oh my God. Um, you know, is this is this the work of foreign agents killing these people for secrets? Is this the work of of uh like there's so many different options? Is the MOD doing this? Is the KGB doing this? Did these people come across something that they shouldn't have come across and the MOD has to cover their tracks? Is this um Maybe the MOD puts out feelers to see if they can like, okay, so the MOD puts out a double agent, right? Who is like, um, gets these people involved in what they think is a blackmail or um, espionage ring where they think that they're giving secrets to the KGB because the KGB is extorting them. But it's actually the MOD making sure that their damn employees are loyal to the crown. Right. right. To the queen. It's like a test. A test. Test of loyalty, and the people who fail it get get off. What do you think? Oh boy, I don't know. I mean, that's I could, the verdict. Yeah, I could see it from so many different ways, right? Like some of these people were at the end of their tenure with Marconi, but not all of them, right? And not all of them were the for fucking Marconi. assistant marketing director got off. Yeah, and it's it, the question becomes: if you had a job at Marconi, is Marconi having you murdered so you don't leave for another job? I don't know. You know, it's like, is that what's happening? Because they're like worried that you'll you'll sell secrets when you leave. But at the same time, it's like if you're going to another like you're bound by these laws otherwise. So it's like at the same time, it's not like, oh, once you leave Marconi, you can do whatever you want without fear of reprisal. I mean, if the secrets leaked, sure, it would be a problem. But wouldn't that be a problem for every employee of Marconi? Like, why didn't all of the employees get murdered then? Because. It's like you said, if there's a loyalty test and all these people failed it, then maybe. But still, does that happen in the rest of the defense industry? I don't know. I mean, look what happened to Edward Snowden. Yeah. I mean, he went and actively did something. Yeah. Leaked uh, whatever he leaked um, and then left, which, by the way, smuggled it out in a Rubik's Cube. Did you know uh, that? Bunkfunkers, I didn't know that, but Bunkfunkers, I want you to know that, as Art said, smuggled it out. He gave a little head nod and a look out of the side eye toward his desk uh, here at the bunker, which is littered with Rubik's Cubes. I have eight different Rubik's Cubes, Bunk Funkers, um, of all different uh, sticker types, magnetic, mag- non-magnetic, um, mostly three-by-threes, one two-by-two, and um, some are stickered, some are stickerless plastic. I have one tiled cube, which is very interesting. You don't see tiled cubes very often. What is what do you mean when you say a tiled cube? This is a tiled cube. It is uh uh, uh the they, these are like little plastic tiles embedded in the plastic. Oh, I see. Whereas this is a stick. It's not just molded plastic. Right, right, right. It's an inset tile. Yes. Um and yes, most of them have lube on them. Yeah. Uh cube art, lube. 
Art has um, an industrial sized bottle of cube lube. I have a syringe of cube lube. Um, and, and a very tiny bottle of speed lube, which is called Martian. Martian cube lube, which you can buy at speedcubeshop.com. This podcast not sponsored by speedcubeshop.com, although I wish it was, because then I would get maybe free stuff. I wish it was too, <laughs> just so that we could say that. Yeah. Speedcubeshop.com. Um, My friend late at night bought pumpkin spice scented cube lube. That is not a joke. That is an actual thing. You can lube your cube with pumpkin spice scented lube, and then your Rubik's Cube smells like pumpkin spice. Wow. Just saying. Now you know, Bunk Funkers. The wild uh, world of speed, speed solving a Rubik's speed Cube. Speedcubelube.com. Personal best time, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten some lube out and also gotten my time under 20 seconds, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Sexual misadventures. <laughs> I mean, Andy, some of these are just like, they're screaming at you. They're slapping you in the face with their... Dr. Clint Eggerson sized dong. Uh, you know. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Here we go. That woke Andy up. Jeez, now you got my attention. Uh, they're just, I mean, Andy, sexual misadventures, plastic bags over these people said fucking Shawnee, the the she often isn't included on the list because she's not a scientist, but like some lists include her because she worked at Marconi and Drowned herself in 18 inches of water. I'm not buying that one. Oh my even god! For a second, like put put a noose around her neck, gagged, then, and bound herself, and like, then drowned she bound herself? her feet and her hands, yeah. and then drowned. Like, how do you bind your own hands? In stilettos? Yeah. Ah, uh, maybe in wedges or pumps, but not stilettos. <laughs> I mean, work it, girl. If you did that, like, good for you. Yeah, snapping a Z formation. But I'm not buying it. No, that one is like fucking red flag. Yeah. I mean. Sharif and Dajabais are huge red flags to me. Yeah. The ones where they're electrocuting their fucking teeth and their bodies, huge red flags. A lot of the ones that are like, this person went missing, this person, you know, carbon monoxide. Like, I can totally see how carbon monoxide, it's, you know, a that would be a great cover for a spy. But it's like, you know, then that spy had to like break into their house and set them up in some way and it's sort of right. like what did they did they drug them why didn't they find drugs i don't know well, i don't know a, if they do toxicology reports on suicides it's kind of like if it's espionage related what does what does the kgb gain from this yeah i don't know like just because they're trying to like stop progress on it wouldn't it be more beneficial to like steal the secrets and that's then, what i would think then you would just like counter it like i mean and and how would this were they were they were they killing people who were such critical parts of it that the project would be like derailed like these people were already going to leave marconi in some cases yeah so like they were already taking their minds with them so marconi would have had all their you know work already it's like so from a kgb perspective it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's like oh this person's going to not be working for marconi anymore in a week let's kill them you know Marconi is working on this project, so, like, why do it now? Yeah, I mean, you really got to wonder. It's like, okay, so Sharif apparently is seen with a bunch of high-denomination bills. Mm -hmm. Like, was he being blackmailed? Was he going to give this money up in exchange for free? Like, what's going on? I don't know. Is he giving? Yeah. Who's doing this? 
you know, some of the some of the more like bizarre deaths, it's like it's it's easy to believe that, you know, like maybe these were some sort of like aggressive act by international espionage, like people that worked for the Ministry of Defense rather than just for defense contractor. Um, I can believe that. Um, I don't know. I just there's there's so many here, and I think that probably a lot of these are just being lumped in because they were similar employment status or similar line of work or whatever. Yeah. Rather than saying like the circumstances surrounding them is so suspicious. But that's the thing is there's not, there's no evidence to tie any of these together anyway, other than this tenuous thread of like Marconi. There could be a fear campaign. Hey, stop working on these projects that help the UK and the U S because we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 25, I'm not a spy, Andy. I don't yeah. know. 25 people over the course of 10 years. Watch out. <laughs> we'll get you. Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to, they could definitely take out more people. So you got to think that like either these people were involved in something or they found out something that they're not supposed to know. Yeah. And that's and that's what I think is like like when Dr. Clint Eggerson found my vestigial tail. Yeah. That I still have. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I I that graf- was embarrassing. I grafted a fake vestigial tail uh and had him take a close look at it. I don't I don't need a magnifying glass. Well, get one. No, I think somebody put it on me when I'm asleep. You need to check it. But don't pull on it. What if it's real? It's really weird actually. I Dr. I actually- Clint, I can't feel your breath on my buttocks. I don't think that you're close enough. If I could just feel your breath on my ass cheeks, I would know that you're looking your close Your wonderful, enough. smoky, uh, minty breath. Yeah, you use your homemade smoked mint toothpaste. Dr. Glenn Eggerson lives in a log cabin. Yeah, of course he does. In the woods. And he loves... And he gets to work by uh, rowing a canoe that he fucking built himself. He loves to smoke meat, and so do I. Dr. Clint. Yeah, I've, I've actually caught you uh, out back outside the bunker rolling up a couple of doobies of uh, pulled pork and you're smoking those bad boys. Yeah, I'll go to the 7-Eleven and buy like 18 Slim Jims and then uh, wrap it up in a, you know, like a like a cigarette paper and then smoke it. You can get, you'd like the pork, the fat in the Slim Jim starts to melt and you just... <laughs> suck it oh in and God. it's got the smoke you know uh, I actually read a, a fact the other day that um, Dr. Clint Eggerson sees uh, sees the, seeds he, uh, he 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 sees more Manchowson um, sufferers than um, any other doctor on the planet wow yeah he's a real expert in his field yeah a lot of I mean just but he's you can't find him on ZocDoc, Funk Funkers. He's real packed. Yeah. Because Andy and I are in there pretty much. I'm in there every Monday. Andy usually takes Tuesday, Thursday, and then Wednesday's me, and then Friday we kind of switch off. So Yeah, yeah. We take up a lot of his time. Yeah, we take up a lot of his time. But he he does have a pack schedule. He's packing it. Yeah. Pack He's of packing. Yeah. Pack a lot of, of pack of derms in there. Yeah. Yeah. Us including, we start walking through with our big old trunks. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Get these huge swim trunks. Yeah. Yeah, we always wear our swimsuits to our doctor's appointment. Big, oversized, clown-like swimsuits. Easier to get undressed that way. Oh, yeah. 
And I mean, Dr. Clint Eggerson is always saying like, we don't, you don't need to strip down anymore. Like we don't really, you mm-hmm. don't need to do that often for like a physical. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see, he keeps saying like, these are routine office visits. I don't, I'm like, you know, you should really tell me to, you know, I can turn my head and cough as much yeah. as you want. Did you get, did you get everything you needed to know? You want to maybe try that one again? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not sure. I mean, I always say you need to have as much access to my body as you need. Or as you want. Yeah. Whatever. I mean. You know, if you, if you spot something and you want to check it out, that's about my health and I'm not going to say no. Yeah. I mean, if you're intrigued in a certain area and you want to dig deeper, go be my guest, my dude. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe you ought to just like paint me. Yeah. Like Dr. Glenn Eggerson, like I could come to your log cabin. He's of course he's a painter. Yeah, of course he's a painter. Uh, and I could, you know, I could pose uh, in any way. I mean, nude or not. Um, and you could paint me. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy to come over to your cabin anytime, Dr. Clint Ingerson. At the drop of a hat. I wouldn't probably be able to get dressed properly, but I would come over whenever you need me to to help out around the cabin. You never know. I mean, the wind and it's just you're running so fast to get somewhere so fast. Sometimes your pants fall down and your underwear comes off and you aren't wearing shoes. So it slips right off. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, and the wind catches you just robe. right, and your shirt blows off your body. And you and know, then weirdly, a rose falls into your mouth. Yeah, you ever had that happen? You know, it's like I mean, if you're a person like me, you have to lotion up frequently, and so your body is like glistening. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and you're running so fast, you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes you you have to make a shortcut to get there so quickly and yeah. you have to take a detour through the KY jelly factory and sure. There you go. I'm covered in KY jelly. Yeah. What, what an embarrassing situation, but you know, if Dr. Clint Eggerson needs you yeah. in his cabin, you know, your health is important. Yeah. He's secluded, luxurious, comfortable, uh, cabin. Um, you gotta go. You gotta. Dr. Clint Eggerson calls you accept the charges. <laughs> That's right. And I've I have programmed I've actually stolen his cell phone a few times and programmed my own number into the speed dial. I right. just want to make sure because my health is paramount and yeah, I take can. it very seriously. And right. when you know, I need he needs to be able to access me. Mm-hmm. I in know all the different ways. I know I have his I have I have him on call as well, and I've sent him numerous pictures of my body to help him like diagnose me. <laughs> oh yeah, and now with the advent of like teledoc and virtual visits and stuff oh Oh my god i'm skyping him like every single day oh yeah it's so so much easier to keep in touch i mean but we could always be in closer touch with (laughs) dr clint eggerson you know always don't be afraid to be in touch with your healthcare professional like your health is important and you need to have open lines of communication (laughs) and you need to be open about everything with your doctor and I've opened myself up to Dr. Clint Eggerson, and I have not regretted it even for a second. I've exposed myself and my heart to him um, multiple. I mean, truly, I asked him to yeah. perform heart surgery on me. <laughs> yeah, when I didn't really need it. Yeah, just a tune-up. <laughs> just a. T- <laughs> you're, you're like. Well, the thing is, Dr. Like Clint Eggerson also has an automotive shop, and so I, I kind of rolled into the shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally, I was rolling. Yeah, I was somersaulting, and and he put me up on the hydraulics and lifted me up and. Then he kind of, uh, you know, I had him tune me and twist me like a bop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tell him that. I say, you can, hey, play with me like a bop it, Dr. Clint Eggerson. Mm-hmm. Slap me. Bop me. Twist me. Pull me. Whatever whatever it uh, takes, Dr. Clint flick Eggerson. Me. Yeah, flick me. Flick me. Flick <laughs> me.
Dr. Clint. <laughs> you should see Dr. Cl Dr. Clint doesn't just own a, a body shop. He also works on cars at his own garage at home. And let me tell you, he has a pristine hot rod out there. <laughs> I have seen it. And it is glorious. <laughs> Oh, I've seen his hot rod. I've seen his massive fishing rod. I mean, that thing. Mm -hmm. Whoo-wee. Mm -hmm. Real baiting. Yeah. He's baiting me. Yeah. <laughs> He's a master baiter. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's, there's no doubt about it because he catches a lot of fish. He's got his own bait and tackle. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, if you could be so lucky to be baited and tackled by Dr. Clint Eggerson and just have him throw you out to the lake and fish you. Yeah. My God, Catch I'd, and release. Oh, I'd bite his hook any day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be an honor to be a fish and be caught by Dr. Glenn Eggerson. I mean, you know. You know, you just show I've shown up at Dr. Glenn. I mean, I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I again, Andy and I, we take our healths so seriously we do i've shown up at dr clint eggerson's cabin uh it's raining outside i'm knocking on the door it's like the last scene in um love actually i'm holding up a bunch of different cue cards that are just saying different things uh very suggestive some i think like uh you know sometimes i throw in like a like a, like a fun little charade where i'll have like a an emoji of a finger pointing plus a peach um you know and then on the next <laughs> card will be an emoji of a eggplant and sweat um you know just different things on the on the on the cards and of course you know dr clint eggerson says this really isn't necessary nor is it professional but yeah yeah hey. yeah i just keep underscoring we have a personal relationship not a professional one like your doctor's not a I'm not a professional doctor, so we're not yeah. we're not colleagues. I mean, that's why I'm always inviting him to like come along on like family vacations or, you know, even vacations I just take by myself to Sandals Resort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I hear you. I mean, I've shown up a lot of times when Doctor Clint Eggerson is on vacation. Um, you know, uh, it just so happens that we're vacationing at the same exact location, yeah. and I my room is right next door to him. And it's one of those rooms where there's adjoining doors. It's one of those funny situations. Yeah, it just it's like so it's funny. So it's funny. like wow. You told me about this vacation, and it turns out I had the exact same vacation booked in a room directly next to yours, and there's adjoining doors. And wouldn't you know it, my door in my room is completely off the hinges <laughs> and doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Well, I guess, you know, if you ever need some ice. Just come over into my room. Yeah. I'll be hanging out here most of the time. I'm just trying to relax, yeah. chill out, and, mm -hmm. and enjoy the scenery. <laughs> Take my health seriously. Yeah. You got to relax. That's the biggest thing in health is relaxing, um, which is, you know, a great technique for relaxation is massage. And I have said to Dr. Clint Eggerson plenty of times, like, if you opened a massage clinic, I would go uh, because you have strong hands. Mm. Um, and you make me feel good when you touch me. Well, you know, I've, uh, I've seen him on vacation as well. And I'd say like, Hey man, like we could go, let's go hit the links. Let's go down to the golf course. We'll stroke it out. Just get a couple strokes yeah. in, you know? Yeah. 
Whack our balls I'll around. I watch your stroke. You watch my stroke. Yeah. Stroke you our watch balls. Me stroke it. You stroke it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can give me your bucket of balls, and I'll clean them for you. Like, yeah. I don't mind. No, no. Let us let us put around on the green. Like you can show me how you how you how you know you can get behind me. You you could uh, hold my forearms in your large, burly, calloused hands, um, and teach me how to stroke it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. Like I see, keep saying, you could treat me like a boppet, Dr. Clint Eggerson. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to go golfing with Dr. Clint Eggerson and get a hole in one. <laughs> I mean, I've never gotten a hole in one, but if I was golfing with Clint Eggerson, I would feel like my skills would elevate and I could probably get a one in hole. I mean, a hole in one. Uh, he's a great doctor. Great doctor. <laughs> anyway, these Marconi deaths. Jeez, what about, wait, what are we talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> I think, I think we were talking about, um, I guess just who the fuck did this? Like, does it make sense? I don't know. You know it's, what I was struck, struck by with this though? Yeah. What is the calls for a government inquiry into this? Yes. Because very true. Because yes, I know that the Thatcher government shut it down the iron lady that's that's sus but at the same time let's be honest with ourselves bunk funkers and art and dr clint let's be honest with ourselves if the thatcher government had launched an inquest into these deaths is there any explanation they could have given outside of Yes, this was a big conspiracy or an espionage act that people would have gone, okay, I'm satisfied. If the Thatcher government had looked at this and said, there's no connection to these, there's just a string of random, and they had prevented, presented statistics that said, these are all in line with what we would expect amongst the general population in terms of deaths uh, and all this stuff, people would have been so dissatisfied. Yeah. Nobody would have right. said like, oh, good, the government did it. And that's right. Everyone would have said, okay, they covered it up. They're covering it up. Why are they covering it? Like, are they, they trying to hide their own baffled, like blunders? Are they trying to hide their own blunders? I don't know. Are they trying to hide the fact that like they know it's the KGB or some other government? But that's the thing. If they did all this, if they did look into it and they found that, and that was honest to God, what they found. Well, they, they might not want to say that because they want to look real strong, not weak, right? Like she's the Iron Lady, right? That's her nickname. I don't yeah. know anything about Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Um, but they don't want to admit that they are like, yeah, there's fucking KGB spies here killing people. Yeah. 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 yeah there are. Yeah. They don't want to admit that. If that was the truth, they would never say it. And if they were committing these, fucking spoils, and if they were murdering these people, they would never say it. So it's like they, they would, and then maybe the people in Manchester would go like, "Oh, hey, it's fucking spoils here, huh?" Darcy, how'd we Darcy, do? Darcy, how'd we do? Uh, thanks for your message, by the way. Yes, very uh, funny. It was very funny, um, and we realized we are terrible yes. at accents. So um, try better know, next time. We'll do. We'll we'll study it, and next time you ask for it, we'll try to <laughs> be more hilarious. prepared. Um, but those are the only two explanations I think that people would have been satisfied with. Otherwise, everyone would have been like, eh, I'm wanting more, right? Yeah. Like if they had come out and said, oh, it's a big KGB operation and that's how all these people died, they would never say that. But that would be a satisfying answer to people. If they came out and said, oh, it's some big Ministry of Defense project to 
you know, it's like a plumbing issue for the Ministry of Defense. We're fixing leaks uh, in the Ministry of Defense. Or we had this loyalty test or whatever for defense contractors. Um, there's never, there's not they would a never fucking, say that. There's never a timeline where they ever say that. But that would satisfy people. People would be like, oh, okay. Probably. Now. But but if they said there's there's not but a... that would cause a, a, even a bigger uproar. Like, you're fucking yeah. testing people by killing them? Yeah. You're not but, allowed to kill. But people would feel satisfied in the fact that... But people would be satisfied. You know, it's like, I, at some point, it's like, why do you want... What do you expect the Thatcher government to do? What do you expect the UK government to do in this case? Because there's nothing they can say yeah. about it, like realistically. So it's like at some level, you know, you have to rely on other people piecing it together because it's like the outrage at the government not doing a look into it is like, well, of course they're not going to. Yeah. If it was a spy operation, they probably shared that with the intelligence community. Maybe. Unless they were really embarrassed by it. Well, it it was pretty recent. It might get declassified someday. Yeah. You never know. I mean, yeah. Stuff gets declassified. We're getting stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Although mm, some of the other stuff we've covered, MOD seems to have a uh, pretty good habit of destroying documents. You know? <laughs> what, you pulled down your invisible glasses. You remember a Rendlesham Forest? How oh, they destroyed all right. the documents in that one? Right, right, right. right There's right, some right, other right. thing I'm thinking of where that was the same case where there was some, but I can't remember what I'm thinking of. Rendlesham is the thing that jumps immediately to mind. But to me, I mean, I don't know anything about the MOD today or in the 80s, to be honest with you. Um, but maybe these documents don't exist anymore. Probably. You're right, Andy. They probably don't. Um, I don't know, Andy. I guess, you know, I've got an appointment with Dr. Clint Eggerson. I know you do, too. So uh, we got a joint appointment with him. Um, you know, he's uh, we might try and. um we might try and do some um, physical therapy with him. Um, he's got this really great pristine golden shower that we might try and use um, with him because it's supposed to be very therapeutic um, to shower with a friend in um, a shower made of gold. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we've been asking uh, Dr. Clint if we could, you know, utilize his golden shower for for a few weeks and. He's been really, you can tell he's really hesitant to accept our offer. So we're just going to kind of surprise him. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for one really glad that he really takes his Hippocratic oath very seriously because mm -hmm. otherwise I have a feeling that, um, you know, he might not want to see us, but, you know. Hey. Well, you know, he was a large animal vet, so he took the Hippocratic oath, the Elephantcratic oath, <laughs> the Rhinocerocratic oath. Yeah. He took them all. That's right. But we have to take the um, Bunkercratic Oath and give the Bunk Bunkers the, well, we've given them the whole enchilada. But a part of that is our verdicts um, on this subject, which I think are going to be as wild as uh, Dr. Clint Eggerson's hair when he wakes up in the morning and you give a big whiff of it. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, you know how his hair smells in the morning? Yeah, I wish. I mean, sure, I've been inside his home when he wakes up. Um. <laughs> But it would just be nice to smell it while I go to sleep too. Like a, I've never smelled it while he's asleep. That's true. I've only in the morning. Yeah, you're right. It would be nice to smell it while he's asleep. That's right. With, you know, like from, from the position of acceptance and not surreptitious. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And it would be nice to smell it going to sleep and not just the, the hair that I've uh, cut off his head when he's not paying attention. <laughs> I sniff at home before I go to sleep. 
But I mean, every time I'm in there, I always leave a little mint on the pillow and a note. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. This is nice. You know, your doctors take care of you. You should take care of them. Yeah. 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 I've left, I've left a few things on his pillow as well. <laughs> Let's just say those brown stains aren't just from chocolate mints. Let's just say that I broke into Clint Eggerston's house. Dr. Clint Eggerston. Dr. Clint Eggerston's house one one night, and the next day he got pink eye. <laughs> Which he's a medical doctor. He can take care of that. He knows how to treat it. <laughs> he knows how to treat a patient. <laughs> How are we even going to make a verdict on this? What's a verdict going to be like? Are um, we going to say, are we going to split it up and say like espionage, like verdict, like three verdicts? Uh, is it, is it, or is it just conspiracy okay. or not? Uh, is that going to lean towards conspiracy or not? That's what you're leaning towards? What are you leaning toward? I might do, I might give what I actually, what I think happened. What's the most, what's the thing you feel so the strongest about? Like, yeah. okay, I feel it's the strongest it's the KGB. Here's how strong I feel. I feel the strongest it's the MOD trying to cover up. Here's how strong I feel. Um. So, and then yes, conspiracy or not. Is, the, is something going on here? Are these connected in some way? That's what I'm going to do. But you do whatever you want, Andy. All right. Have it so, your way. So let me give the, let me give the first verdict on... Are all of these deaths statistically insignificant? Are they all just reflective of the general population, maybe elevated accounting for the stress of the industry in which these people work? Um, and this is, I'm saying this for all of the deaths connected to this. Like, so basically saying there's no, there's no conspiracy at all. This is just a, like... People have just stitched this together and there's really no connection right. to any of it. Right. Um, plausible smidge. Okay, so you're plausible smidge. There's no connection whatsoever. Right. Okay. okay plausible smidge that this is this is all just happenstance and okay. it's, it's just regular things all right. being connected ad hoc, you know, post hoc, if you will, to stitch them together into some conspiracy narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing I'll take on is, is it a British defense? Or is British, is the British government killing these people? Okay. <laughs> um, plausible minus and a half. Wow. Okay. I don't see the motivation for it. All righty. Um, because not all of the circumstances are identical. So it's hard for me to say that these are all some, um, like that there's, that the British government, I mean, maybe they're doing some of them, but I don't, I mean, it's hard to parse. Yeah. Um, for some of the weirder ones, I guess the next thing I'm going to make a verdict on is like, is it an, is it espionage related? Okay. Um, and he's throwing out verdicts like fucking candy here. Yeah, yeah. Get your verdicts there. Cheap. Or like the suckers that I'm always trying to suck off from uh, Dr. Clint Eggerson. Yeah, he has suckers uh, 
at his office and it's always good to just be sucking on something to show him how, you know, like let him know that, Hey, I have good oral hygiene, right? Like, look how I can suck this entire, <laughs> I can unwrap this sucker and suck the whole thing off of the stick in one go. Like it, I don't have to sit there with it in my mouth. Yeah. Sometimes I'll actually put the sucker with the wrapper in my mouth and then, um, tie it with my tongue and spit it back out at him. Mm. That's a good, so like, isn't that cool what I can do? Yeah. That's a good trick. And then I, you know, I smear the sucker all over my lips and tongue. Yeah, it could get messy. That might not have anything to do with him. It, it might just be that I'm really bad with suckers. Yeah, it can get messy when you eat a sucker. So KGB uh, or other espionage. I don't know that it's KG, I don't know that it's KGB necessarily either. Okay, like an espionage related thing. All right, you're uh, not really. I don't. All right. I don't know where you're at with this, but all right. Uh, You're so hard to read. Yeah, I don't know how to read. Uh, Some kind of espionage involvement in these. I don't think it accounts for all of them. Okay. But I think it accounts for at least some of them, perhaps. Okay. Uh, And I'm saying that it's plausible plus plus. Wow. I kind of feel like there's some there's something going on. There's some spies here, huh? Yeah, and I think it's like you said, like James Bond. The government's probably too embarrassed to say anything, and they probably know that it's happening. Yeah, and they don't. That's why they don't want to start opening it up because then they have to lie more about it. Mm -hmm. They can just Mm -hmm. shut it off at the start and say we're not going to look into it at all. And Marconi, of course, is not going to say anything. They don't want to seem like they have compromised employees. Okay, because to me. That that better, I don't mean, I don't know what the aim is still, but it, that's just the feeling that I get. Okay. That's I'm not the impression gonna, I can't that you get. There's no evidence, so I can't explain it anymore. Andy, it's okay. It's okay. <sighs> Go tell your troubles to Dr. Clint Eggerson after I am going episode. to. I am going to unload on him. <laughs> I'm going to. You're going to drop a hot I'm going to relieve myself in front of him so that I can feel better. I need to just, you know, pump all this stuff out of me and let Dr. Clint Eggerson see it so that he can help me. I will feel so much relief when I can just come into his office and just, you know, let it all go all on the floor, all over the floor of the golden shower. Yeah, Just really just, I mean, let loose on that thin paper that covers the chair. Yeah. I mean, just, just, Gush, just let it all flow forth from me. I just need it to ooze out so that I can feel better. God. Good fucking Lord. Uh, Here's my verdict. I'm going to weave a tapestry for you, Andy. (laughs) I'm going to weave a tail that's going to knock your fucking socks off. Yeah, and you're wearing some nice comfy socks, I can tell. Bombas. Bombas. This podcast is not sponsored by Bombas. And likely never to be, as a matter of fact. Probably not, especially after all of our uh, Dr. Clint Eggerson talk. Mm. Okay. Was this, are are these deaths, any number of them, connected in some way, shape, or form? Case confirmed, yes. This is a conspiracy. There is something going on here. Um, There is, uh, these people are definitely 100% being murdered. These are open verdicts. Half the suicides don't make any sense. Um, and only a handful of, of, of them do. Here's what I think happened. Is the MOD killing any of these people off? Yeah. 
Plausible plus plus. Wow. Are foreign agencies killing any of these people off? Plausible plus plus. Here's the story that I've crafted in my head. Okay. Tell me. Foreign agents in some way, shape, or form were able to infiltrate these defense contractor uh, employees either through blackmail or through other means were able to either coerce these people into giving them secrets and then killing them off because they don't, they want to cover their tracks, right? That's the motive. They want secrets and then they kill them off by covering their tracks through blackmail, through what have you. Or you have people like Sharif who are kind of showing up with this sum of money and high denomination bills. Uh, It's very strange. Maybe there's some kind of payment thing going on. Who knows? Maybe it's a blackmail system. You have different clusters of deaths here, right? You have the kind of first cluster and then the second cluster. People started to notice these deaths. Maybe we didn't do a very good job in the script of of talking about this, but people kind of started to notice these deaths kind of as they were happening. Um, Right. And after the first like 10 or 12, even the American embassy in London, right? We said that. Yeah. Was like, hey, what the fuck is going on here? Right. Like, you guys need to look into this. And the Thatcher's like, government's still like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We are not looking into it at all. I'm Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> don't know what I sound like. I don't know anything about Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> um, I would never have guessed. So people were looking into this pretty early on, being like, what's going on? The uh, the Reagan administration also, even the Reagan administration, I believe, kind of said like, hey, what's going on? Even though the Pentagon was like, they didn't comment on it, right? Right. The Reagan right. administration- they didn't, Publicly, they didn't say anything, but behind the scenes, they were yes. making inquiries of the British- They were like, what's going on Intelligence community and British defense community right. about what was happening. I think maybe some of the deaths might have been the British intelligence community trying to clean house and figure out what's going on and cover up. Getting rid of problem people? Getting rid of people they thought were problems, getting rid of people they thought had any inclination with foreign agencies, getting rid of covering tracks, um, or just getting rid of people who were leaving the, uh, the company. This okay. was a huge get for this British contractor, right? This yeah. SDI project. Yeah, big project. Um, massive. And they had had a ton of blunders. They were not going to take any kind of, they weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to be made fools. Yeah. So that's what I think happened. That's my point. Wow. Okay. Very, very green. Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Um, But definitely something's going on here, bunk funkers. And, um, you know, those were our verdicts. You can let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. <laughs> Stuck a poison pellet in his hat and called it Marconi. <laughs> yeah, know. good luck with that one. I don't know. You got a better uh, one? <laughs> uh, The macaroni factory. Wait, what was the thing? I don't, I don't remember. The fast casual restaurant. The macaroni grill. <laughs> I've eaten there. The before. Marconi grill. The Marconi grill. Hashtag the Marconi 
Brill, let us know what you think. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mm-hmm. mrbunkerpod. Yep. Find us on YouTube by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker. And you can always log on to our website, mrbunkersconspiracytime.com. Recently redesigned completely from scratch in uh, Squarespace's new whatever the fuck they got. <laughs> so check it out. It's new design. Um, and uh, you can find links to all of our social media and whatnot in there. And you can also find a link to patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker pod, where you can, if you feel so inclined and have the means to do so donate and you will get, in return, receive a bountiful amount of uh, perks. <laughs> you will get the bunker newsletter where Andy and I share lots of stories and fun clips and things that we talk about recipes. Even um, we have Haunting details of our personal lives. Um, we have, uh, our Patreon only show, Andy and our debunked every month, a new episode. We're covering serial killers and true crime on that. Um, uh, you get access to the bunker discord. Yeah. Hey, and if you really have the means to do so at the $10 tier, you can be, you can have a call in episode with Andy and I that we will then publish on the main feed is a bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. Sit there, ask us questions, grill us, tell us we were wrong on something. Yeah, you can be Bobby Flay. You can be Bobby Flay. And f- grill us. Yep. Flay us. Oh, yeah. Sp- you could be Dr. Clint Eggerston and <laughs> splay us. <laughs> if we were so lucky. Um, but anyway, that's that's everything here, Andy. Um, what do you think? I think, words? I, think you, uh, I think you summed it up really well. Thank you. Something's going on here. Something's afoot. Something's something's rotten in the in the in the kingdom of the UK. And what they might say in Britain is, "What's all this then? What's all this then? What's all this then?" Well, well, bunk funkers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on another thrilling episode of Mister Bunker's <laughs> Conspiracy Time Podcast. We got to go see Dr. Clint Eggerson. Yeah, we have an appointment. We can't be late. I know. I hate being late to see him. In fact, I usually get there a couple hours early. I don't like to come early, but for Dr. Clint Eggerson, I don't have a choice. I mean, I'm always uh, edging or I'm on the edge of my seat every time I get into his office. Oh, yeah. 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 It's good to, uh, you know, make sure that you're warmed up before you go to your doctor. (laughs) That's why I like to draw up a hot shower and, you know, yeah, do some Kegels. Yeah, it's a good idea before you go to see your doctor. Um, Just get nice and loose. You never know. You know, you never know if they're going to need to do blood work. So I'm always fasting. You know, I want to be hungry when I walk into the office. <laughs> why have I never thought to ask him for a prostate exam? I don't know. It seems like a... <laughs> Seems like a failing on our part, I guess. Boy, we've done we've had him do to us almost anything under the sun, but not a prostate exam. Yeah, we should just ask him for a prostate exam. Boy, we're going. Well, chance to write the we've wrong. Gone. <laughs> we've, we've asked for everything except the most obvious and easiest thing is just the prostate exam. You know? Yeah, yeah. How could we? I mean, we take our health so seriously. Yeah, I let a snake bite the tip of my dick. That way, he would have to suck the venom out. I could have just asked for a prostate exam. Jeez. 
Fuck. Yeah, well, live and learn. Live and learn. All right. Well, for not the digital investor bunker, for but for my uh, roomiest co-host, Andy Hart. I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Dr. Clint Eggerston. I love you. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.